Hello, and welcome to Defeat the Chaos. Defeat the Chaos. I, first off, I'm Julie. Got and my, I'm Cheryl. Got my co-host Cheryl here with me. At some point, I'm going to have a conversation with Cheryl when we're not on the air about how I have this whole intro routine and every week, like clockwork, I can count on at some point she's going to chime in and it's going to throw me off my game. It happened early today. I should be good to go at this point. So Defeat the Chaos is a show for small business owners and aspiring entrepreneurs. Episodes focus on the intersection of successful business ownership, political changes, success and failures, and personal development. Julie, oh, that's me, along with my co-host, hit on the hard topics, the ones that people want and need to know about in order to make informed decisions. This week, Cheryl and I are discussing how to unleash your leadership potential. I know Cheryl's going to be all over this topic. We actually have a guest coming in on the second segment, um, Jeff Forrester. He's been on the show before. He's a leadership expert, expert, export, nope, expert. He's um, joining us to talk about the importance of leadership, how to develop your skills, and the ramifications of being a bad leader. I hope he read what I sent him because those are the topics I want him to cover. Um, as you know, he's a returning guest. He's got insight, intel, intellect, and an incredible tool set to help us all become the leaders we need to be. This is going to be a can't-miss episode. So hopefully y'all are tuning in or at least catching it on the replay. Uh, Jeff's going to join us after the first break. Before that, what's kicking with you, Cheryl? How's your morning going? Oh my God. Don't even get me started. First of all, I think you were correct when you said that Jeff exports leadership. After all. <laughs> I made up a is, thing. Look at me. He is. I think he should use that for his branding, that he yeah. exports leadership. Because he's he's bringing he's bringing you the tips, the information, the skill, the expertise to make you a better leader to allow you to unleash your leadership skills. So I think I think you we we can take credit for that. That's his new that's his yeah. new tagline. He exports leadership, exports leadership, and and the the um you know the topic for today, unleash your leader leadership potential, also happens to be. The title of his best-selling book. Yes, it is. I mean, he's, so, he's got. He, he might know what he's doing. He might. He's. You know what though? I'm just going to give you a little, um, uh, preview. He's going to join us again in two weeks. He's going to be here two weeks back to back. Um, he'll be here on the twentieth, and then again on the twenty seventh, and on the twentieth. So Jeff did twenty nine oh two nine last year. Oh, wow. Okay. So he's going to come on. He's going to kind of coach me through some things that I should be prepared for and, you know, kind of assess my level of readiness and that type of stuff. And then I'm going to do the event, the 21st and 22nd, and then he's going to come back on the following week. And we're going to talk again about, he's going to talk about, well, we know where, where did my coaching help? What do you wish you knew? What do you wish you didn't know before? So it's going to be, it's going to be Jeff, Jeff and Julie training part A and then Julie 2.0 with Jeff afterward. Yeah. Well, I like that here, obviously. Yes. Well, but. yeah, but you know, I'm, I'm not being tested. I don't have to worry. <laughs> right. Right. You are not being tested. No. That is me. Except I have been tested this morning. Do you mind if I if I just rant about it. Oh my God, please. Uh, I love it. Because, because if, if we're going to talk about exportation, I would like to export my husband this, this morning <laughs> of, of 30 years. 
I, uh, he has not understood the entrepreneurial concept and, and the fact that my recording studio is now in our home. I have, I have my office. I, I mean, it is full of microphones and equipment and soundproofing and all of this stuff. And it does not occur to him that when you, you use your voice for a living, people might hear the noises around you, regardless of how much soundproofing you have. <laughs> people typically can hear sound unless there, you know, is an impairment. So uh, apparently there is an impairment with my husband because he is, he's, he's downstairs. He's, he's on my rowing machine and I do call it my rowing machine because, you know, why wouldn't I write it? I'm, I'm the one that, that races, but he's on the rowing machine. It's all good with a TV up to 137 and a podcast blaring louder than that. And he's looking at me like, what are you doing? Like, I'm going to work. This noise needs to stop right now. Well, I only have 10 minutes left. I'm like, I, I don't, I, I'm going on. I, you understand this is a recording. Well, actually, it's, it's not even a recording right now. It's live. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not that loud. I'm like, there are elephants, eardrums in Kenya that are bursting. He's literally, he's got like, 14 different types of medium going on around him. And he wonders why he cannot hear mm. and he cannot focus. Mm. The door closes. I'm at work. Don't come in. He comes in twice. I. This is all before my first sip of coffee too, Julie. Oh, dear Lord. I know. Or booze. Did you have any booze by this point? N- no, but I, I could go there. Excellent. I really could. Is that um, bourbon? It is. It's always bourbon. Okay. It's always bourbon o'clock in my home, but no, no, I, it, right now it's just, um, uh, the, it's seven different mushrooms in a powder roasted in this oh, coffee the four cup. Sigmatic? Uh, it, it's not the four sigmatic. It's, it's one like it. I had the four sigmatic and I think they're adding a little cocoa into it. Like That's cocaine? Co- no, no. Like chocolate cocoa powder oh. into it. It smells like cocoa. This does not. Oh, so, okay. um, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm experimenting. It's an, it's an AB experiment right now. I'm, I'm doing AB testing. I'm doing yes. AB testing on my life right now. <laughs> Are you? Well, with this, with this, uh, you know, the, the uh, more, te- you know, training coming up and everything, I guess it is an AB test, isn't it? Uh, you, you know what? I, I sort of have this thing where I've been really curious lately about, Okay, so first off, I'm reading this amazing book. So uh, some of the things I'm going to say right now are not my original ideas, but they, because of this book, have just like really, I'm like tuned into some shit right now. I'm dialed in. Yeah. Dialed in. And the book is called The Comfort Crisis. And it is, it's by Michael Easter, is amazing. It's truly amazing. And it's really not what I thought it was going to be about, (laughs) right? But it's all about discomfort and how... Here's a little stat for you, Cheryl. Americans spend 93% of their time indoors. <laughs> 93%. There is a growing what? There is a growing population of people, millennials, and would it be Gen Xers? No, who's no, after? Gen Gen, Gen Z. Gen Y and Gen Z. Yeah. Yeah. So a growing number of people in those groups that are just going into a room in their parents' homes 
and never coming out. Like literally never coming out. Not even, they're not coming out of the room. There are people that have been in rooms in their parents' homes for over seven years by choice because, so that gives whole new meaning to the concept of go to your room, right? These people, they've- They want to be in their room. I mean, I have to, well, I mean, I see see evidence of that in our own home with Katie. Yes. You know, she doesn't she doesn't want to come out. I have to make her. So so anyway, on the comfort crisis, really this book, it it's just talking about God, there's so many interesting things. There's this thing about sound which were you I thought of when you were talking about your husband and his is decibel breaking noise this morning, but when you do really difficult uncomfortable things, it sort of helps you define a new edge of what's hard, right? So what I'm curious about is how many times do you have to repeat that difficult, challenging, uncomfortable thing before you have the new edge? Is it once or is it over and over and over? Like, is it three times? Is it one time? Is it like, that's what I'm really, really curious about is how many times you have to do that to before you have a new edge. And then there's this fascinating, there's I, the part that I just got done reading is about the reason that Americans have so much trouble losing weight mm-hmm. is because we're so uncomfortable with the feeling of being hungry. Like we don't want to experience that discomfort. And so all of the mechanisms that, you know, our ancestors from like the cavemen like have built into them, we are trying to extinguish over and over and over again. And it's just, it's a fascinating book. It's a fascinating book. And I repeat the title one more time. Title is called The Comfort Crisis and it's by Michael Easter. And it is, uh, it's, it's, I I think that might go down as one of the top three book, best books I've ever read in my life. And I read a lot of fucking books. Yeah, you do. But it is filled with, one research and studies that he's done that's woven into the story of him going to the Arctic for like this 33 day gets dropped off with two other dudes. And they, all they got is like the, the packs on their back and and they got to hunt caribou for survival. And like, they don't have, they can't find caribou. They can't get any. And so they're hung. I'm at the point of the story where there's, they're literally existing on less than 2000 calories a day when they're burning 8,000 calories a day. And it's just, it's an amazing story. It's an amazing story. So I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated by it, but the part about the sound, there's this place in Minneapolis or it might be St. Paul, but it's twin cities. that I really yeah. want to go to that has the only, so first off, interesting fact, there are only 12 places in the lower 48 that have no noise pollution. In the entire really? fucking country. He will only, the, the dude who did the study will only reveal where three of them are. One of them is in Washington state. I forget where the second one is. The third one, Boundary Waters Canoe Area. I believe that. 
I believe there's that only 12 early. places left. And he, the reason he won't disclose where all 12 of them are is because he doesn't want people to pollute them with noise. So you I don't go, blame him. You gotta go find them yourself. And this is just in the lower 48, but there's this place in Minneapolis or St. Paul that has like one of the only completely soundproof rooms in the entire world. Oh, completely okay. soundproof. And you go into this room and when you hit like the 20 minute mark in the room, first off, you're really uncomfortable. Just it's really uncomfortable to have no noise around you. But when you hit like that 20 minute mark, you can start hearing, literally hearing your heartbeat, your blood flowing, your brain moving. You can literally start hearing your ears popping, your body functioning. Is it like one of those deprivation tanks, except it's a full room? It, it's no, it's not a deprivation tank. It's just the way the room is built. There's n- absolutely no sound. It is completely 100%. And it is the only, I think is the, it's, I, I literally think it might be the only one in the world. It's insane. It's, it's literally insane. And the guy does a bunch of, um, he does, I, I don't know what he's, he was doing it with it now, but he said when he retires, he's going to actually use it for, and God bless his soul. I love him so much for this. He's going to use it for vets who suffer from PTSD because sound, no sound helps PTSD dissipate. That's amazing. So I was silence. I was like, that's so cool. But, you know, it's just like listening. Like, so we don't hear the sounds that are around us. We almost never, we never, we don't pay attention to it because we're pumping our own sound in all the time. Like another fascinating fact. I shouldn't have started talking about this book because now I can't stop. <laughs> I, I can tell you you're totally into this book. I'm going to get it. Another fascinating fact is that if you if we just took 20 minutes every day outside, no phone, like you can't take your phone with you. No, no you can't have ear, earbuds in listening right. to some 20 minutes every day outside. It literally would in just a matter of days reduce blood pressure reduce your risk of heart attacks like the effects are amazing but most people can't even go for a 20 minute walk without their fucking phones that's why i unplug when i go kayaking and it it's true i mean it it does that's my my safe spot when i'm starting to go into meltdown i mean you know me well enough to know i go julie i'm i'm going to the water i'm heading yep. the water and i do unplug and I'm trying to get my daughter to do it more if I could get my husband. I think the only reason that he turns all the the sound on, all, you know, 173,000 decibels making a Def Leppard Motley Crue concert, you know, sound really quiet is so he doesn't have to hear me. I swear to God, it's the only reason that he does it is so he doesn't have to hear me. It could be, but it could also be that he doesn't want to hear the thoughts in his head. That too. That too. That's, that's the more likely thing. That is the uh-huh. far more likely thing is that he doesn't want to hear his own thoughts because a lot of people are don't like the discomfort of being with their own thoughts. He's probably thinking about, you know, how to silence me best. So it's probably a good thing. <laughs> that's my that's my thought. I mean, it's been 30 years of this. Yeah. You know, to each other. I was recently in Acadia National Park and I was up there with um, a friend and I found myself super frustrated and uh, borderline infuriated while we were in the park because I was thinking to myself that there's not 
when you think of on the grand scale of people that are in the, on this planet that are in this country, the number of people that have never had the opportunity to go to a national park to see that beauty. And it is beauty, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And that is a gift from God to us to see the, like, uh, it's just amazing. And uh, this friend, she spent, oh, I want to say like probably over 80% of her time staring at her phone. And it was so why, mad. Why would you so do mad. that? Why? Um, I mean, I, I don't understand. I, it's an addiction. It, it is an absolute addiction. And I think it's an insecurity. People are not comfortable in their own skin. Yeah, you know what I'm curious about? You know, disconnecting. Go, what? I'm curious how leaders today handle people on their teams who are always distracted by the phones. I'm wondering if when we bring Jeff on after the break, if he'll have any thoughts on approaches to managing that. I think that's going to be one of the first things that we should lead in with. I think that's a good question to start with. I think it is. But I also wonder how many times leaders actually impose, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They impose uh, disruptions into their employees' days by contacting them on their phones. <laughs> how many oh times they God. send a text? Or... How, about, how about the meetings to schedule a meeting? Those are my favorites. Let's let's text that we're going to have a meeting to discuss an upcoming meeting. Mm, my favorite are the meetings that could have been an email. <laughs> aren't aren't they all usually aren't they all come on let's be pretty honest much, pretty much all right well listen this first segment didn't go anywhere i thought it was gonna go but i thought no. it was amazing i think I, you did a great job well thank you i i listened <laughs> You're welcome. all right we will be right back after the break with jeff forrester and we are going to talk about unleashing your leadership potential stick around Hey, everybody, it's Corey and Julie from Defeat the Chaos. Our show on the Voice America Business Channel is for small business owners, entrepreneurs, and winners. If you're a loser, scram. Yeah, scram losers. Defeat the Chaos hits on the struggles of what it's like to be an entrepreneur. We celebrate the wins and we dissect the losses. And unlike most boring business shows, we aren't that. We like to have fun. We have informative guests on. We talk about current events that affect small businesses. And there's plenty of gambling talk because risk and owning a small business go hand in hand. Oh, and we record live, so there's no editing or production if we screw up, which we do. So join us every Thursday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel or catch the replays whenever you have time. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Welcome back to Defeat the Chaos. I'm Julie, she's Cheryl, and we have Jeff Forrester with us now, author of Unleash Your Leadership Potential and a leadership expert who is now making us on the video because we see each other on video stare at this roof of his car. <laughs> <laughs> well, every time I do these, my I always seem to park right where the sun hits my phone and then it overheats. Oh, well, we don't want your phone overheating. No, because no. I don't want to get cut off. 
<laughs> they, you know what you should do? You should just turn your video off. That way we're just looking at your name. I could <laughs> you do could, that. You could do that. Absolutely. Yeah. Although, you know, it, it looks like it's a beautiful day in it your neighborhood. Does, it does look like it's a beautiful day in Florida. Oh, it's amazing. We, we don't have these often, but it's 73 degrees right now. Few clouds post hurricane. So it's all good. Well, welcome back to Defeat Thank the Chaos. You. you have been here before and you were such an amazing guest. So I'm excited to have you back. Um, reminder listeners, reminder listeners, who are you? What do you do? Who am I? Well, I'm Jeff Forrester and I wrote Unleashed Potential back in COVID. So I encourage everybody that everybody's got a book in them. Everybody has a story to tell and it's something that's very important to do. Um, beyond that is, you know, my background's been 30 plus years in the professional world. I started working in high school like most people and haven't stopped. And the last 22 years, I've been in the healthcare sales industry um, in sales roles, training roles, marketing roles, first and second line leadership roles. And now I've ventured into the entrepreneurial space. I guess that's the popular word and the popular theme nowadays. Um, and so I have started Concrete Consulting, where I work with individuals and organizations to unleash their potential. And then I also do real estate. You're a busy guy. Yes. Well, busy recognizes busy. So we're not going to waste your time. We're going to get <laughs> right into it. Let's, let's jump in. Let's start with that. That question yeah. that you had in the very beginning, Julie, in our first segment, where how do you deal with with employees or a team that they are so addicted to your telephone. I mean, they're constantly staring into a, a screen. How do you, how do you deal with that? How do you lead a group that is so self-absorbed and into social media? If that's a fantastic question because as leaders, and I know <clears throat> I heard this part as well, we contribute to that and we contribute to it because it's an easy way to communicate. Cause when I first started, I remember we had voicemail numbers, an 800 number that you had to call to get your voicemail that somebody would communicate in the morning. Um, and then you would pull over and stop at a payphone. Nobody knows what those are anymore. <laughs> and you would, you would listen to your voicemail <clears throat> and you communicated over email. So it was, you know, it, you didn't have that constant access to things all the time. Well, as leaders, as cell phones, smartphones started to become more um, prevalent in our society, we thought, okay, this is a great way to communicate in real time. We can communicate when I need to communicate. And so we created the, the beast that it is today, in my opinion, because I left a quick little message to myself on LinkedIn the other day that we think we're more important than we are as leaders. So we send emails all hours of the night. We reply to emails all the time. As soon as it hits our phone, we reply to it. I got a really big secret that I'm going to reveal right now is you're not that important. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even that important to myself. No, no it's, it's awful. So then we, we, we tear away boundaries for the people that we're trying to lead and try to set examples for. And I remember I would sit down because work would just consume me and I would send emails on Sundays because that was my time to try to get ready for the week. 
I would, I get up early. So I would send emails early in the morning. Um, I would, you know, as soon as an email came in, I felt like I had to reply to it. So I was perpetuating the beast of constantly hammering people and then allowing them to hammer me to get a response to the point where, well, if Jeff doesn't respond within 15 minutes, he must be dead on the side of the road. Yeah. We, 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 we teach people that, right? We train, it's yeah. like we train people to treat us in relationships. We, we teach people and train them what to expect from us. I have a, I have a thought on this. So I was a little triggered when you said, you know, we're, you know, respond or send emails all times of the day and night. And I, the reason I was triggered is I don't do it because I think I'm important. I do it because I have a, an attention span that's shorter than a goldfish's. And if I think of something and I don't immediately act on it, then I'm going to completely forget about it. And so what I try to do is typically send those emails to myself. Hey, Julie, mm-hmm. remember to do X. Sometimes I send them to my team and then my team will be like, why were you up at 2.30 in the morning working? I'm like, well, I wasn't. I just had a really good idea. So I sent an email on it. <laughs> but I I also have my team trained, especially Francis, where they don't take me too seriously. Right. Like, yes, they they know when they when I am being very serious, but for the most part, like they don't really take me very seriously in terms of if I'm having a bad day or a breakdown or something, they're like, Yeah, should be fine. <laughs> Which so they're they're well trained, well trained. So they don't take me seriously. So they make it impossible for me to take myself too seriously. Right. <laughs> right. Which is important. And it, but you have boundaries. You've had conversations. Most leaders don't. I know I did. I just did it. And, and it, then I started to have the expectation if I wasn't getting responses, then I would get frustrated because I'm, then I would say, well, when you send something to me, I respond. So why aren't you responding to me? So it, it's the healthy boundaries. And as leaders, we need to set those. We need to establish you know, time for ourselves. You know, one of the things you were talking about in that comfort crisis, like just disconnect. Yep. Like we're, we're connected so much. I, I was listening to Joe Rogan, a podcast years ago, and he was talking about his favorite time to write material for his standup is at 2 a.m. And they're like, why in the world at 2 a.m.? He goes, because everybody's asleep in the neighborhood. All the TVs are off all the TVs in his houses are off. And he goes, I just feel different. I don't feel the frequency that's constantly radiating through everybody's neighborhoods. And it's true. It's like you go out into the woods or a park and you, you like you said, either turn off your phone, but just don't have something in your ear all the time. You feel different. It's a little scary. Like you were saying, is some people don't like to face the, the, the silence, but, settle into it and try to listen to what it's trying to tell you and what you need to attack. Cause I'm a big believer and proponent of strengths and weaknesses. We avoid our weaknesses and that's what the silence typically will reveal are the things that we need to work on the most. And that will, those weaknesses will always cap your potential. So if it's, if you're worried about, you know, leading and having boundaries, that's probably a problem. You, you need to approach that and you need to figure out, okay, how do I reset those to make sure that I'm doing things that are keeping me healthy 
which in turn will set a great example for your team to be healthy. Because if we can operate at our most, I guess, the most efficient way, it's usually when we feel the best. And so if you can set boundaries for yourself and help lead by example, helping other people set boundaries, you're going to get better performance out of your team. Well, I would, I would like to think that, you know, if you, if you can set those boundaries and correct me if I'm wrong here, since I am no expert, I I did stay at a Holiday Inn Express once, but I am no expert at this. You're, you're interrupting the flow when you're constantly doing that barrage of messaging. I mean, you, your brain is, can only focus on so many things at a time. And one it's thing to, to be precise, one thing at a time. Well, one we call that context switching, which you I, lose so much time to context switching. Anyway, getting getting back into it, um, you know, you're focused on that that thing, whether it's the problem solving, whether you're you're working on a project, whether you're trying to sleep, you've got that constant barrage of messaging going back, and you're interrupting that flow. So you're you're not giving your full attention, your brain is not working on the problem at hand. And I would, I would think that as a result of it, it causes more burnout for both the leaders and the, their teams. And nobody's, nobody's getting anything done this way. Correct. It's the, it, it's the appearance of activity. And I know for me is the busier I am, the more quote unquote productive that I feel but I'm not productive when I'm busy. Now, if I'm focused, like Julie said, on one thing and able to pay close attention to it, a couple of things happen personally. One, I'm better at what I'm doing. And two, I get it done a lot faster. So what a great way to be highly efficient and highly productive in less time. I mean, that's the goal. And that's, I reached out to to Julie not too long ago. I had this big epiphany about going from corporate world to being a a business owner is corporate world. Busy is good. Busy shows activity. Busy keeps your boss off of your back and then their boss off of their back because they're like, well, look what Jeff's doing. Look at all these great emails that he's producing. When you own your own business, Busy costs money. (laughs) Yeah, it does. And if you're not doing things that are purposeful, productive in the least amount of time, that's costing you money. Because I sat down and I was getting ready to do something that would have probably cost me three or four hours of my time just to do. And I just, I sat there and I asked myself, well, if you spend that three to four hours, yeah, you'll stay busy and you can show your wife the, the neat PDF that you put together. But what are you going to do with it? And I asked myself, I'm like, what am I going to do with it? And I was like, well, nothing this week. <laughs> and so I was like, let me go find something else to do. And that was tough because I was really good at being busy all the time. Yeah. And so go ahead. Sorry. Sometimes the best thing that you can do for yourself is nothing. Not being busy, right? Resting your brain, going out, getting outdoors, taking that 20 minute walk and letting your brain just kind of reset and start to generate ideas and creativity again, right? Trying to get back into, then I hate this phrase, that flow state. (laughs) Like everybody says that it's such a cliche. Now it's the entrepreneurial cliche flow state. But anyway, that's, 
And it's hard as entrepreneurs to do that, to say, you know what, I'm just going to go, I really need to reset my brain. I'm going to go outside and I'm not going to work for like half an hour and I'm going to go get some me time, some vitamin D and just think. And for whatever reasons, we tend to think by our own self-judgment that that is a terribly wasteful thing to do, but it's probably one of the single best things we can do as entrepreneurs. Yeah, that's when the ideas come. You know, I was thinking while you were talking, go get a 60-minute massage. I mean, I was thinking about that this morning too, but probably for different reasons. (laughs) Yeah, but you're forced to lay there and you're in silence and you're typically relaxed um, unless they're doing like deep massage work. But then you're like, okay, this was the pain that I needed today. But you're focused on something else. And I know that that's when my ideas come to fruition. Not when I'm working out, doing a hard workout, which is great for stress relieving, but it's not for me, it's not the best at coming up with ideas. It's that quiet walk with the dog with no headphones. It's the sitting on a park bench in the sun and being able to to soak that in and just breathe and listen to the noise. And you're talking about that, that sound room. It sounds good, but I think after a while it becomes torture. That's why solitary confinement is never a good thing for a well, long that's period true. of time. That's true. In all honesty, that's, that's, they talk about that. The things that we, you know, at punishment in America and maybe worldwide, but certainly in America, we use silence as punishment. Be quiet, go to your room, solitary confinement. It's punishment, but it really isn't punishment. But it is sitting in the discomfort of what's happening in your head. I think it it goes, it can go both ways. It's, it's a treat for you, but if it goes too long, that's where you've got the punishment because quite honestly, I, I don't care who you are. Even if you're a hermit, you, you need that at least little dose of human connection in order to feel human. You know, to feel like you you have purpose, you have you have a reason for being. I mean, it's that's that's part of what we we crave in in being entrepreneurs as well, or in small business. You want to be able to connect with your with your clients, with your audience. You may not want to do it twenty four seven. That is punishment too. Isn't that what FaceTime is for? And Zoom punishment punishment. Yeah, no. Uh, you need you need a little little in person yes. connection is what you need. So um, that that solitary confinement, it's you know kind of like your phone. It's a blessing and a curse all at the yeah. same time. And I don't think to, to be clear, I don't think the soundproof room is designed for people to be in it hours and hours and hours on end. Right. Right. I, I think like they said, and I can't remember for sure. There there was like a recommended maximum amount of time. And quite honestly, you just you can't like I couldn't go there and make an appointment to use it. <laughs> like I want to, but I couldn't do it. They don't that's not how it works. They're using it for other things, but I do love that they're gonna use it to help vets with PTSD. I think that's an amazing thing. Yeah, absolutely. That's an amazing way to give back. I was thinking, Jeff, when you were talking about the um you know, getting outside, being, you know, and sort of resetting the brain. 
how important it is to our, you know, our creativity and how important it is to our self, you know, our, our self growth and our self esteem, but how so many people fail to realize as leaders that they need to be encouraging their teams to do that. I am, you know, uh, there are a lot of leaders who get very worried that their teams aren't working enough. I'm on the opposite end. I'm worried my team isn't taking enough time off, that they're working too much. And I I want, I encourage them frequently, like, hey, you got to unplug from time to time and, um, you know, make sure that you're getting you time and family time and and all that kind of stuff. And I see we're coming up against the break. And Jeff, I got to ask, do you have a, do you have time to stick around? Because I want to talk do. about your mastermind yes. that you're offering. All right, yes, cool. I do. We're, we're going to come back after the break and we're going to dive into more leadership stuff. And we're going to talk all about this brilliant mastermind that you launched a, a week or so back um, that people can join. So stick around and we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's Corey and Julie from Defeat the Chaos. Our show on the Voice America Business Channel is for small business owners, entrepreneurs, and winners. If you're a loser, scram. Yeah, scram losers. Defeat the Chaos hits on the struggles of what it's like to be an entrepreneur. We celebrate the wins and we dissect the losses. And unlike most boring business shows, we aren't that. We like to have fun. We have informative guests on. We talk about current events that affect small businesses. And there's plenty of gambling talk because risk and owning a small business go hand in hand. Oh, and we record live so there's no editing or production if we screw up, which we do. So join us every Thursday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel or catch the replays whenever you have time. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. And we're back on Defeat the Chaos with Julie Traxler and I am Cheryl Devon. And we have our special guest, Jeff Forrester, who has his book, Unleash Potential. He has uh, masterminds with with leadership roles, and he is uh, very, very lucky to be sitting in sunny Florida right now in his car, graciously hanging out with us this morning. So, Jeff... We went into the break. We were talking about the need to disconnect in leadership roles. But I'm curious, how do you know the difference between a good leader and a bad leader? Because I think we all would like to think of ourselves as having great leadership skills and potential. How do you know when you're not that person? Well, that's when other people come in and start telling you your blind spots. That's usually what it comes down to. Because we do have a, we all have an inflated sense of, our leadership ability, in my opinion. And what it, I guess it comes down to a couple things. It's difficult to truly define what people would say is a good leader or a bad leader. So I don't know if you're a basketball fan, but there's two historic coaches. One is John Wooden and the other one is Bobby Knight. Oh yeah. So I think those are two names most people know. There are also two people that are polar opposites and how they coached and who they are as a person. John Wooden's more of the <clears throat> the, the wisdom-filled um, father figure type. And you have um, Bobby Knight, which 
is probably the nightmare coach that most people would say. That Throwing exists. the chairs across the court and everything exactly. else. Exactly. Yeah. Screaming putting his hands on players, those type things. But they both, when you talk to the players that resonated with their leadership ability and their communication style, they really respected them. And they learned a ton from them. They hold them in high regard. Two completely different people. So leader, I would say good leader and bad leader, good leader connects with their team. They listen to what they need to do Um, They have a set of standards and values that they live by, and they communicate those on a regular basis. And then they listen and they figure out what each individual needs. So Bobby Knight, for instance, he didn't recruit the player that needed that, that grandfather wisdom type personality. He found people and recruited people that were gritty, that weren't afraid of somebody screaming in their face, but pushing them because he knew that they would give that back and they would have a good, good coach player relationship. John Wooden, you know, he did very similar things. Phil Knight, you know, you have all these different people that are great leaders, but just different leadership styles. And I feel when, when you pose that question to most people, they immediately go to the leadership style of what is defined in their mind, a good versus a bad leader. So to me, it comes down to, can the leader connect? Can they communicate in a way that their team can hear the message and then apply it? And then do they consistently have standards and values that they live and breathe? And just like Julie had said before, is talking about setting boundaries and where you're at is You can have high expectations for your team. You can also have high expectations for your team to take time for themselves. They're always going to look to see, are you doing the same thing? Are you practicing what you preach? And so that's another definition of a good leader in my mind, because me as a leader, I'm a servant leader. So I I love to help people. I I don't necessarily like to be in the, the limelight. I think everybody likes recognition but I really enjoy seeing people succeed and get more out of their, out of their career and out of their lives more than me getting more out of mine, because that feeds me where some leaders they're in the front. They're the ones that are the Eric Thomas's of the world that are the Tony Robbins that you listen to them and you immediately jump up and want to run across, you know, burning coals barefoot. (laughs) I'm not, not that type of leader. Yeah, not everybody can pull that off. And and I guess that kind of brings me into your mastermind, your current oh, wait, mastermind. Wait, wait. Don't, oh, don't you've got go a question? Yeah, I got no, a question. Go okay. I got a question. Don't go to the mastermind yet. Because All right, then. I, I'm very curious. Um, I despise, so I, I would say, I would describe myself as a servant leader as well. Um, and I know for a while that was a very, you know, trendy term to use. And I don't know that it still is. What I typically hear now in the circles that I run in, the networks that I'm involved in, and I got to tell you, I really dislike this saying almost as much as separation season. <laughs> nice. I dislike the phrase leading from the front because for me, I love the concept of 
the wolf pack with the lead wolf actually being in the back of the pack, watching out for everybody else. And I dis, I really dislike that saying leading from the front, because I feel like you can be a strong leaner and lead your team and actually lead them better from the back by letting them take the lead on things and learn. And if, as long as they have guardrails and understand where mistakes can be made and what the, what the cost is of a mistake, right? There's, there's, there's different levels of mistakes. And for me, I, I tell my team all the time, like, look, we're not, we're not out here curing cancer. We're not, we're not, we're not pumping medicine into people's veins. We are, you know, we're, we're helping small businesses and entrepreneurs and yes, it's important. And we're doing social media management, but we aren't like no one's going to die if we don't get something right. No one's going to die. If we like misspell a word on social media, which happened to me yesterday, by the way, no one's going to die. And so making those mistakes, learning from them and adjusting, but letting them have the flexibility to be able to do that and know that they're, they are not going to end up, you know, on the hot seat with me screaming at them because they did something that, I didn't like most times I'll be like, I wouldn't have done it like that, but I understand why you did. And you know, whatever works for you. I don't really, most things I don't have a strong preference on as long as we're moving forward and helping our clients. But all that to say, what are your thoughts on lead from the front? (laughs) Uh, I'm in your boat in the sense of if you listen to Jocko Willenick or, you know, our friend Chad Wright, they talk about the military are leaders in a squad leaders in a regiment. They don't carry a gun because if if the leader has a gun and is fighting, they can't observe the battlefield. They can't see the different things that are going on because they're too micro focused on a specific target versus the field of fire of targets that they need to direct to. So the only way they can do that is being behind the battle or above the battle, seeing everything as a as a whole. If you're engaged in every little thing, you're going to miss a big thing, which then leads your team vulnerable to an attack or a whirlwind. So if, you're, if you've read the four disciplines of execution is we have whirlwinds that come through us on a regular basis. And as a leader, we need to help manage those whirlwinds. If you're leading from the front, you can't see what's going on behind you. Yes, you, could, you need to set the example for your team. But like you shared is you set the example and then you allow them to, to carry the task out as long as the goals are, are, are met and everything's within the parameters of the, the action that you're asking them to do are met as well. Because we all have KPIs, key performance indicators that we need to follow. And as long as you can communicate those well, then you shouldn't have a problem with how they come up with the outcome as long as it's legal and ethical. Yep. Bingo. All right, Cheryl, dive into that mastermind. <clears throat> all right. So, because I've got questions. So first of all, Jeff, what's, what's the name of this mastermind? And, and tell me, tell me three of the key components of what you're looking to get across in this mastermind. Wonderful question. So it's a play on my book. So it's unleash your leadership potential. And the big thing that I want people to know, whether they're an aspiring leader, so if they're looking to get into leadership, if they're new to leadership, 
or if they've been in it for a while. So you need people to be open to hearing and doing things differently. So that's the, that's the group that I'm looking for. So within the mastermind, I want to empower people just the way we just talked about it. Everybody has a different style. The mastermind is not going to be me saying, this is how you need to do it. It's one, you need to define how you do it, meaning you. So if you were in the mastermind, it would be, we start out by you defining what you feel like your leadership style is, what are your standards and values, and the vision that you have for leading your team. Because I know from personal experience, if I, don't, if I didn't define those things, I wouldn't have been able to lead as well as I was because then I couldn't communicate those things to my team. So that's setting a proper expectation up front. The next part is really just breaking you down as a whole. So it's looking at your strengths and weaknesses, not just your team's strengths and weaknesses, but you as a leader and doing an audit on yourself of what you can leverage to help fix some of the things that are challenges and raise them up a little bit more. <clears throat> the other thing is how do you communicate to your team? How do you help develop them and then empower them to develop themselves? And then how do you set the course for your team? So th that's one component. And just having each individual that's participating come up with the way they need to do it that fits their personality style the best. And then the last part really is when you have all that is figuring out how to use a yes matrix is what I like to call it is how do you say yes to things? Because we're so used to people saying, well, you need to learn how to say no. Well, to me, that's a negative spin on everything. Well, if you just assume that everything is a no, then what do you say yes to? Are your yeses aligned to your, your team standard and vision? Are your yeses aligned to the elements that you have within your group? So I think if people can come across with those three things, setting your standards and visions, figuring out the nuances of what you do every day, and how you can make your team better. And then how do you start saying yes to things in a better way than you have in the past? Okay. Well, we're, God, this is fascinating, but we are getting, we're getting close to, to the close of the show. You, are you ready to jump into some Q and a here? Some quick Q and a rapid, Q quick, rapid, fire. rapid fire. Absolutely. Yes. Excellent. All right. I didn't think, what if I said no? <laughs> then, then I was in the interview. <laughs> That's right. Well, then, then Julie and I would be doing quick Q and A with one another. Yeah, let's and that go. Could, that could go wrong. Julie, start. Uh, when when does your program start? Um, it starts in October. So I'm ready to finish the year strong with anybody who's ready to hop in. How many people can go ahead and and sign up? We're I'm capping it at six. How how uh, how many weeks is the program? 13 weeks. Of course, the important question, what's the pricing on it? It's $1,500 for the 13 weeks. And okay. then with that, oh, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say we get, um, it's group coaching every other week and then one-on-one -on -one coaching in the alternate weeks. So you get a group environment plus you get one-on-one -on -one coaching as well. Nice. Mm -hmm. I love that approach. Um, how can people learn more? They can reach out to me um, on either Instagram or I can give you my cell phone number and they can just reach out directly. It's, you drop that cell phone number. Let's do it. Let's do it right now. 407-204-9978.
Love it. They can text you. They can call you. They're interested. That's right. Excellent. Excellent. I love it. Do you have, do you have a one pager on it by chance? I do. Can you share that with uh, Cheryl and I, so we can push that out to people? I sure can. And, and one more question, square dancing or disco? Ooh, probably disco because it's more free. <laughs> See, I love that. That tells you a little insight about this guy. Squared. I have a. I have a question now. Yeah. Pizza or tacos? Pizza. Deep dish or thin crust? Thin crust. Yes. You. The thinner, the better. The thinner, the better. No wonder exactly. I like you. It's, it's not a casserole. It's a right. pizza. Coffee Thank or you? <laughs> Coffee or tea? Coffee. Oh, oh, see, you're, you're my guy. You're my guy. Um, let's see what, what else? mountains or the beach? Oh, depends on the time of year. Growing up around the beach, I would say mountains. Okay. All right. Um, would you rather be cold or hot? Cold. Oh, dogs, so dogs or cats? Dogs. Of course. Of course. Turtles and- or frogs? Frogs. Frogs. Really? Okay. Yeah. Oh, right. yeah. Now I got a great question for you, Jeff. What is the last really good book you read that you could recommend to our listeners? Um, for me, that I'm actually reading it right now is Resilient by John Eldridge. It's all about getting getting through COVID and how our souls are tapped empty right now. <laughs> they sure as fuck are. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's the biggest understatement I've ever heard. All right. We got to wrap up. You guys, you, Jeff gave his phone number. Jeff, drop it one more time really fast. We're, we're closing. 407-204-9978. All right. And we will um, have available that one pager. Thanks for joining us, Jeff. And we will see you again next week on the Voice America Business Channel. 